Hello everyone and welcome to I Guess We're Grown Ups Now. I'm your host, Carrie Halstead. Today's conversation is with Garth Braithwaite and it's all about food. My acknowledgement of the episode is also Garth Braithwaite. He is a podcaster as well and I just like his show, Web Friends, and I've stolen his format blatantly. Thanks for being an inspiration and a support of the show, Garth. My quote of the episode is from American-Nigerian writer Teju Cole in his book, Open City. There was no starting point for the rebellion, but I could mark an arbitrary one, that a grown-up was someone who, first and foremost, could drink a Coke at whim. Links and show notes for today's show are at goodstuff.fm slash grownups slash four, and there are lots of them. Garth is an interesting person who is involved in a lot of projects, and so I hope you'll check those out. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter at grownups underscore FM, and you can find us on iTunes where you can rate and review the show as well. That really helps out a lot. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, and welcome to I Guess We're Grownups Now. I'm Carrie Halstead, and tonight my guest is Garth Braithwaite. Hi, Garth. Hey, how you doing, Carrie? I'm good. How are you? I have to get not. I have to be careful not to get too excited because I'm in a cement room, and when I talk a little louder, it echoes worse. So you know, you're in a giant auditorium. Yeah, apparently. And yeah, it's very drama. There's, awesome. there's no one in my auditorium because I can hear echoes. <laughs> Garth joins us tonight from a large dungeon. Oh, yeah, apparently. Um, where are you joining us from? I am actually in Idaho Falls. Uh, my family and I, we, we recently relocated from Vegas to Idaho Falls, and I have the coolest office in the world, which happens to be a garage or a cement room. So that is it's cool. awesome for a lot of things except for recording podcasts, which I've got to have to fix. I'm going to have to fix that. I'm it's sure not you, be okay. you'll fix it. Garth has at least one other podcast. He has a great podcast called Web Friends that you can hear on the goodstuff.fm network. Uh, do you do other recordings as well? Uh, I, I have some things in the works nice. and I have some stuff that I have been actively killing. So no, right now it's just, just web friends. Nice. I love web friends. I hope, uh, other people will listen to it too, if you haven't yet. So tonight, uh, we're talking, our theme is about food, which is <laughs> so like talking fitting. about air. <laughs> It's a big topic. Uh, I'm kind of excited. And of course, within the context of adulthood, being a grown up about food. Um, so, but before we dive too deep into that, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Who are you and what's, what's in your life? Yeah. So, uh, I am employee, a designer and a developer for Adobe. Um, and I happen to work from home, which is convenient since we moved to Idaho where there is no Adobe office. That should be obvious, but right. I have to remind people, they're always like, oh, so do you work for, is there an office up there? No, <laughs> no. Um, and I have five kids. We've got four girls and one boy, uh, ages from nine to down to uh, four months, coming up on five months. And my wife and I have been married for 11 years. Uh, we met while we were going to school in Utah and then... She's from Vegas, so she told me that I would be a lonely man if I did not move to Vegas. So we moved to Vegas. And we lived there for most of our married life, and we've just been up here in Idaho for a couple months. So that's me in a nutshell. Awesome. Um, have you listened to 
previous episodes of I guess we're grown-ups now I have I've been listening since your your pilot recorded by yourself uh, but I'm I'm very excited. I I love the episode so far. So I'm very happy to be on the show. Are there any particular themes or concepts that have been resonating with you as you listen? Uh, I I I find it amazing how similar um, I am, or I think it's just universal mm. aspects of of growing up and you know concepts about the relationships and and going through learning how to be married and learning how to have kids and all that stuff. They're pretty universal. For everyone who has kids and is married, um, but at the same time, there are such kind of uh, subtle differences as well. So I, I enjoy I enjoy hearing people's stories, even if they don't have the same story as me. I, I actually prefer that. So it's been fun to listen to it. Yeah, it's fun learning how people go through exactly the same thing, but they take different messages from it and have a different way of verbalizing it. That yeah, helps you learn about yourself as well yeah. as about other people. So and. The, there's a thing that you learn when you're when you're married to somebody it turns out that not everyone had the same childhood which it kind of comes as a shock like we'll go to the 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 episode theme right they don't eat the same foods right like they don't have the same traditions and even if you've been dating this person for a long time or even living with them it's not until you well i guess living with them is pretty close but it's not until you really join your lives together that you realize hey this person has weird things about them that are totally different than what I grew up with. So yeah, it's, it's interesting to, to, to see that and listen to other people as well. Right. I, I agree. And it's always interesting. The, um, things that y- you found completely foreign about your partner, um, the things that you, you stretch yourself and like take into your life too, as your, as a family Yeah, um, and they become a family thing. And, and that is how I guess you, turn into a family instead of just two people or four people living together it's building a culture yeah yeah do you cook yourself uh i i do so my wife um, she does not enjoy cooking Mm. uh necessarily she she doesn't avoid it and she doesn't hate it uh it just it's not a high priority for her in her day yeah um and so i i do i enjoy cooking i enjoy um I enjoy trying out new recipes and trying out new things, um, but I, yeah, I, I do a majority of the meal time when possible. I work from home, so I can I can do most of the meals. Right, yeah, um, I do most of our meals too, and and because I'm the one who enjoys it well, and I was taught to cook as a kid growing up. Um, it was something that my mom taught us. Um, did you, were you self-taught or did your parents teach you or did you learn from TV? Uh, not, not TV, but a little bit of the self-taught and from the parents. My parents are actually uh, immigrants. They, um, they were born and raised in South Africa. And so they, they were getting used to American culture as well um, and American food. Thursday is date night. Uh, in our house, so oh wow, um, I'm st- we don't actually go anywhere because we have five kids uh, <laughs> and a four-month-old. So we do date night at our house. Uh, it usually involves me grilling something, um, and then we feed the kids early, and then we send them downstairs to watch a movie, and we enjoy a meal by ourselves and a four-month-old. Well, that's pretty delightful. It is. It is. It, it, just interesting how much of this family stuff uh, uh, and growing up kind of. Uh, revolves around food like you 
if you don't have like it's normal for a date like to go eat right like that's just kind of the default like what do you want to do oh let's go get something to eat let's go spend money uh on food right. that's just kind of what we do um so yeah we've just been doing it and cooking it ourselves a little bit saves a little bit doesn't really save money you go and buy three steaks you're gonna pay about the same if they're any good as if you would at a, at a restaurant so right i guess there's no tip what did, <laughs> yeah what did you eat tonight for supper uh, we had we had ribeye. We had ribeye and uh, a wedge, a nice uh, iceberg wedge with bacon and blue cheese. Nice. It was good. Awesome. You barbecue? I do, and uh, I I'll be barbecuing when the when the snow sets in here. Yeah. I'll keep going. I haven't barbecued much into winter, like when the snow really falls here. But I could. There's no reason I couldn't. It gets really cold here. <laughs> Maybe that's why I don't. So I grew up in Montana, and I know it's not the same as Saskatchewan, Saskatoon. Yeah. But it, it is the closest you can probably get yep. within the continental U.S. That's right. Yeah. It is it is probably pretty similar, really. We might get a bit colder up here, but, but I barbecue as long as I can in the summer because, yeah, it's just so nice to have burnt meat. It, it tastes like happiness. It does. It's very good. I was going to tell you what we had for supper. Oh, yeah. Go for it. <laughs> because earlier when we were chatting, I was like, I guess I can't have macaroni and cheese for supper tonight like I was planning. <laughs> so, or craft dinner, oh. as we call it up here. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. No, we didn't have craft dinner, but uh, we did order out wings at this place we've been trying a couple times for wings. Because um, we really, as a family, all of us like wings, which doesn't happen that often that all four of us agree on what we like for meals yeah yeah uh so my husband ordered wings from this place and an hour and a half later they showed up at the doorstep and i was (laughs) starving well i was hungry an hour after we ordered them i was hungry half an hour after we ordered them so an hour and a half later the guy shows up and looking very sheepish and he's like I got lost. My GPS got screwed up. Here's your wings. They're on the house. I'm like, really? So, Did you so, have to like microwave them? Like they were a half. little on the cool side, yeah. but they are still pretty saucy and delicious. And we were so hungry, but I'd been giving Mark a hard time. I'm like, call the place, call. I'm getting mad. And this is my relationship with food. If, if my blood sugar level gets low or I haven't eaten in a while I am a hangry person I get hungry angry and irrational I'm normally a level-headed person but I lash out I get paranoid it is like I'm the worst when I'm hungry so normally when I think supper is coming in an hour I won't eat I won't snack but if I knew it was going to be an hour and a half two hours I definitely would have eaten. So, so we have we have the same my wife is exactly the same um her whole family though is that back to the you marry into stuff sometimes that you just aren't <laughs> used to and she's totally the same um but worse is they don't always recognize oh, what the cause of the problem is totally I'm oblivious <laughs> So I think that's one of the reasons why I started cooking more is because when she gets to that point, she's not in a mood where 
I could be like, hey, why don't you go make yourself some food? That doesn't work out. So, yeah, that's where I usually, I don't even say anything. I don't, like, try and point out you're probably starving. I try and just quickly, quietly go and make something satisfying and put it in front of her. And suddenly she realizes how starving she is. (laughs) Mark was like, that's great customer service, free wings. I'm like, this is not good customer service. (laughs) There is no money worth that. Exactly. He's like, really? I thought it was nice, free wings. I'm like, talk to me, three wings in. I'm like, I'll I'll be in a better mood. So three wings in, I'm like, yeah, that was good customer service. (laughs) It was, was, um, you know, just... Crowd uh, emergency control, right? Like oh, I was don't. just trying to fix the problem. So <laughs> the delivery guy saw the fire in my eyes. Yeah. <laughs> I remember, I still remember the day I figured out what my problem was. I was like 25 or something and, and a few years into being married to Mark and we'd, we still had no kids, but we'd go out to like the mall on a Saturday morning or something. And I'd be like, let's eat. As soon as we got there, I'd be like, let's eat. And he'd be like, no, he doesn't like to eat right away sometimes if he gets an upset stomach then he's like uncomfortable in the mall and I'm like no let's eat and so we figured out that we're like have different love languages of eating like oh yeah he cannot eat if he's going out I have to eat if I'm going out so different now... love languages of eating that's great <laughs> there's my Christian culture seeping in um but yeah it's as long as we know now that we know that we have yeah. survival skills and yeah <laughs> you need to have a safe word <laughs> <laughs> snickers oh yeah <laughs> Oh dear, so bad. Do you have a um, favorite food you like to make, either to eat or just because it's fun to make? Yeah, we we have a couple. Um, I actually really enjoy uh, America's Test Kitchen. Um, they have some really great recipes, and I love the idea behind it. They go through, like, so my favorite one to make of theirs is actually um, the chocolate chip cookies. And what they do is they take a bunch of recipes and they systematically go through them and figure out what makes the best chocolate chip cookie. Wow. Uh, and I, I love the science part of the cooking. It's great. So um, they have a really good recipe for a browned butter chocolate chip cookie, and it is amazing. Huh. So we make them about once a month. Are um, they a website? Uh, they do have a website. I think it might be paid for for some of it. They have cookbooks, and they have a show. Wow. That's where I think it, it, it really is taken off as the cookbook, but... Uh, yeah, I love the idea behind, behind, Hey, we tested this out. It wasn't just the back of the chocolate chip cookie bag or the back of the chocolate chips bag. Right. Right. Um, we will put a link in show notes, everybody, in case you're listening off of iTunes. Um, and you can get that at goodstuff.fm slash grownups slash four, uh, for this episode. Oh, so chocolate chip cookies is my specialty too. I've got a recipe that I got from my mom when I left home and it just, I never mess with it. It is like always works. It's kind of a chewy oatmeal chocolate chip recipe. So that's my oh, wait, An oatmeal cookie? That's, that's <laughs> fool's gold. That's not. Okay. I'll try your brown butter <laughs> chocolate chip recipe. Oatmeal sounds like it's good for you. That's not, <laughs> that's not a chocolate chip cookie. <laughs> that's, that's one step away from being a muffin, right? Like that's not. Hmm. There's a lot of butter in it. Does that help? Okay. <laughs> that does help. 
goes a long way. When you go out for a meal, what's your favorite thing to order? Or do you like try to go all over the map? You know, we, we talked about that. Um, I actually, so I travel quite a bit uh, to conferences and I go to new cities and I find myself um, with a company credit card and a new city that I don't know. And I always try and find something new. Uh, I've tried uh, alligator and I've had some really good sushi. Uh, I've had some terrible sushi, so I'm, I'm very wary of that now. Um, but I've also had like great New York pizza in New York and great Chicago pizza. Uh, so yeah, I, I like to, when I'm traveling, I like to try everything possible that I can, um, which is new. I, we've talked a, a little bit about before this episode about what food means to being a grown-up. Mm-hmm. And part of that is I have now realized that I enjoy trying new things, mm. which is not something that I enjoyed as a kid. You were more of a picky eater or just like a standards eater? Uh, fairly standard. And I see it in my kids as well. My wife is not that way. Um, her life is not does not revolve around food like mine does. Like obviously, I think that that goes hand in hand with the hangry thing. If she doesn't eat, she doesn't notice that she's hungry because food's just not a priority for her in her day until it's a problem. Uh, for me, I, I absolutely love food. So, um, yeah, I I That's... noticed my kids, they'll eat anything, some of them, but some of them are a little bit more like me. They're a little bit more picky. That's interesting. Um those two things might not be as connected as you think because I'm all about food, but I'm the hangry one. And my husband can like skip food for both reasons, both because he's not obsessed with it all the time. And also because it doesn't matter if he's hungry, like emotionally, it doesn't matter if he's hungry. So, so he probably, I mean, he could probably eat that Soylent stuff and yeah, be happy as long as it agreed, like, not lactose or something like that. He would be fine with it too. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't like trying new restaurants or, yeah. And I, I didn't. It wasn't. So this is something you grew into. Yeah, it was. And my, to be honest, my mom actually is that way. And so is my brother. My brother's been. Um, he's worked in in the the restaurant business mm-hmm. uh, most of his life, and so. He is all about, like, I love to go and visit him where he works because he's always like, here, let's go try this. Um, and, yeah, not all of my siblings are, but my mom and my brother and now me. Uh, but, I, again, I grew into it. They didn't. They just were always that way. Right. Well, that gives me hope for my one kid who's a picky eater. Maybe someday she'll... I mean, I don't really... I don't care for me, except for right now when it's hard to feed her. But, like, <laughs> I like to think of it as, like... Uh, having a full life experience is also like being totally into food and trying new stuff. And I hope both my kids get that someday. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have it with um, my four-year-old right now. Uh, sorry. She's five now. Uh, they keep changing ages, but um, she, she does not, there's certain foods that she just decides she doesn't like. Right. Um, and some of them I do not mind. She's like, I don't like chocolate. I'm like, sweet. Right. That's one <laughs> That's less great. problem. Yeah. Exactly. I have no problem with that. Um, but then she's like, I don't like salad. I don't like hot dogs. I don't like chicken. And I'm like, come on, we got to eat something. Right. And so my wife and I are like, maybe she's having a hard time because she's malnourished, but she's like, like, these are, these are thoughts the parents have. They're like, maybe I'm not feeding my kid enough. Maybe they're not eating enough. But like, seriously, she's almost as tall as her seven-year-old sister. Like she, she she's not any problem with 
with weight and growth. She's totally fine. So uh, parenting with food is like paranoia. It is totally it's weird you're given so much information and the food guide the food pyramid and the four food groups and all these rules like make sure you're eating like five pounds of vegetables every day and it's like (laughs) well my kid won't eat a vegetable a week so Uh, but they're growing and they're really smart but yeah 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 um do you have um what what does your growth as an adult into responsible eating been like? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, yes. yeah. well, you reach a certain age where you start realizing you can't just eat anything. And for some people, that's, you know, early on in childhood. Um, but at some point in everybody hits that, I can no longer eat all of everything I want. Oh, see, I, I go through denial sometimes. Well, totally. <laughs> okay, so we'll, we'll get into the health a little bit of it. But um, it, when I realized that I, my ideals around food changed when I left the house, right? And that's that's totally normal. Suddenly you have to fend for yourself and, and figure out how you're going to eat. Uh, but then I served a two-year service mission in Mexico, and uh, I was totally immersed in the culture. I didn't have any American friends. Uh, well, I, I had a couple once in a while, but for the most part, it was me in Mexico. You weren't eating and... at Senior Frogs. No, no, <laughs> no. I, I was cooking food myself that nice. we'd buy, buy food from the, the corner store, or we'd have um, uh, members of the church who would cook for us. Uh, we tried to get as much as that as possible because they were much better cooks than we were. Um, but I totally, that's where it, 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 everything that I thought about food kind of uh, tipped itself over on its head. Because, like, uh, we talked, when we first started talking about this show, way back when mm-hmm. I mentioned avocados. Like, that's what growing up is for me. When I realized that I actually do like avocados and that they're amazing. Um, that, that's like, ah, maybe I'm a grown-up now. Right. Um, and, and mangoes. These are things that my parents in South Africa, they had trees. And they would grow and they would pick them off and they'd eat them fresh. And I thought that was the most disgusting thing in the world when I was a kid. Um, but suddenly I'm in this culture and when somebody says, hey, we're having mangoes for dinner and that's what we're eating. Because right. <laughs> that's all we had. Uh, they were the most amazing things in the world. So I've come back now and I've, 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 I've been able to share some of that with my kids. They still don't like spicy foods, but I figure that's an age thing. They'll grow into that a little bit. I'll keep putting it in their food whether they like it or not. Um, but it wasn't until my parents started to have health problems that I started to focus on, Hey, maybe I should figure out what I'm eating and what I'm doing with the food. Um, my dad is a type two diabetic and my mom uh, is insulin resistant, which is the step before uh, type two diabetes. And the doctor said (laughs) with parents like that, your kids have like a 99% chance of having the same problems. Um, and just so a little background on type two diabetes, it is completely treatable with diet type one diabetes is not, um, but type two is, um, and so my sister and I started what we call the save your foot diet, um, (laughs) which is incredibly insensitive, I know, but my dad hasn't lost his foot or anything. He's actually been doing much better with his, 
um, with his diet. But it, it's interesting. There's with type two diabetes, there is a genetic disposition, and then there's a diet um, aspect of it as well. And the the genetic disposition is on the rise. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not weeded out by natural selection because it's a, a later onset thing. Um, but there could be some environmental aspects of it too. You go read some blogs, you'll find conspiracies about stuff. It'll weird you out, but it's on the increase, whether we're just getting better at diagnosing it and recognizing the problems or whether our food and our diet is terrible, which it is, um, or the genetics, those factors coming together, we're, we're all going to have problems. Um, and as our doctor says, if anybody lives long enough, they're going to eventually get type two diabetes. Uh, wow. It's just part of the body breaking down. So, um, yeah. Wow. So that changes our our diet, and that that happened probably about a year a year ago actually uh, today. Um, and so my sister and I we've been uh, tracking all the carbs that we eat. Um, and after going through this process for a while and getting used to counting carbs, um, my daughter in July July first. Um, we took her to the doctor and her blood sugar levels were way out of whack. And so we took her to the emergency room and she was diagnosed with type one diabetes. Now type one diabetes is totally different. Like I said, it is a autoimmune disease, um, that happens to be killing, uh, your insulin producing cells. And so the insulin is needed to regulate blood sugar. Mm -hmm. So she can eat any carbs she wants. There's no problem with her eating carbs. She just has to have insulin injected into her because her body doesn't produce it. While me, on the other hand, I have to avoid carbs at all costs because uh, my body doesn't do the right things with it. So, yeah, it's an interesting problem, but it was it was amazing how we were kind of prepared for it by our family, started thinking about carbs and eating and changing our diet, and then this hit and we were totally ready for it. Uh, we're at least aware and know how to count carbs before we even had a type one diabetic in our family. So, wow. wow. Yeah, it worked out. I wouldn't say nicely because <laughs> that sounds wrong. No, it is always good when you go into a medical situation, sort of forearmed um, with some knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. A but, totally ignorant diabetes question. Can you yeah. get, can you get both kinds of diabetes at the same time? You totally can. That yeah. is a great question. Um, because they are unrelated uh, in a lot of ways, They're, they haven't found any trends in the genetics, the genetic disposition for type 2 diabetes and type 1 diabetes. Um, but So in essence, what happens with uh, type 2 is the body stops using the insulin, but your body overproduces. So if, you, if you're a type 1 diabetic long enough, your cells can do the same thing with the artificial insulin that you have. Uh, it'll stop using it correctly. Um, and then you'll run into the same problem. You could become a type two diabetic. It just so happens that you would be, yeah, you're already, your pancreas is already not producing, uh, insulin. So yeah, it's, it's an interesting question. I asked the same thing to the doctor. Yeah. I didn't realize that they were that different. Yeah. It's like it, having it's, a cold and the flu at the same time. <laughs> yeah. It, it's a little unfortunate that they have the same name because culturally diabetes is the butt of a joke, right? And right. It, it makes sense that it is. It right. totally it's, deserves to be when it comes to the diet side of type 2 diabetes. Well, and the fear. I mean, we deal with right. fear with humor. So. Right. Yeah. And, and when we eat ourselves into a disease, like that's something that culturally we should be aware that that's not okay. Right. Uh, 
So I understand that. But then the type 1 diabetics kind of get lumped in with them. In fact, a lot of times when we tell a doctor, when we tell a teacher or something, oh, she's, she's type 1 diabetic, they'll be like, oh, we'll make sure we have sugar-free snacks. And we're like, no, that's right. totally not the point. In fact, sometimes you really, really need to have sugar yeah. on hand. And, and so the, the, the thing that we have to say is, you know what, she can eat anything that everyone else can eat. And if we're stopping her from eating, maybe we shouldn't be giving it to mm. everyone else, uh, which is probably a hard truth to yeah. <laughs> confront. I have a similar um, problem with food and one of my kids in that uh, the word allergy means two mm. different things. People talk about allergies that make them sneeze and their eyes water. And that's terrible. It's not fun. I have seasonal allergies and environmental allergies too and it is not a party but yeah. my older daughter is anaphylactic allergic to peanuts okay so we are peanut free and uh and and getting people to understand that i read once it was um i forget whether it was a letter to an editor in a magazine or something or some interview in an article about allergies but somebody said the phrase just because peanuts makes your kid sneeze doesn't mean I have to stop feeding my kid peanuts. <laughs> I'm like, you don't understand. And right, I was right. so enraged at nobody. Um, have, yeah. have, you, have you gotten the cures? Have people confronted you with, here's how to cure well, peanut allergies? There, there is some science research being put into finding, not cures so much, but exposure therapy or... Okay. Um, uh, you know, if you if you start them off with a little bit of peanut flour and gradually work that up until they're eating many peanuts, it's worked in some kids that they are their body starts reacting normally to the protein instead of abnormally to it. Okay. Yeah. I'd, that. But, but there's no. No, there's I'm asking no... about the miracle. No. Oh, so there aren't. No, I but haven't. Like people who are like. Oh, no, I, my cousin had this and they did, oh. they just stopped eating gluten and now they have no problem. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, gluten's sorry. another one because my sister has celiac. So in the next yes. year, we're all going to go through blood tests to find out if we're all celiac. And yeah, it's, that's a whole other kettle of fish. Yeah. But, so yeah. food, back to the yes. growing up and the food. Yeah. July 1st, I grew up. Uh, a, a little more or a lot more um, unintentionally or against my will uh, when we got hit with that diagnosis and we spent the couple days um, in the emergency room and in the hospital adjusting to this new lifestyle. Um, and now our lives before they were, food was an important part. Mm -hmm. uh, I realized that I was spending with our, with when our fifth baby was born, I realized I was spending most of my day cooking food uh, cleaning up food and cleaning up the byproducts of food, right? Uh, which was pretty much my whole day. Um, but then now food is everything. Right? Mm -hmm. Every time before we're, we're going to eat, uh, she has to check her blood sugar. Uh, we have to calculate the carbs. We have to put it in. We have to wait a certain amount of time for the fast-acting insulin uh, to act because it's not quite as fast-acting as sugar is. Um, so, yeah, like it, it changed it changed everything for us, and I had to grow up again. Uh, kind of one of those things. In fact, when I was in the the hospital, we had an educator come in and talk to us and try to explain everything to us. And um, like I said, we were we were fairly well equipped already. Um, but I, I said, now I know this is a ways off, but what happens when she leaves the house mm. as an adult? Does this 
like radar constantly pinging, trying to find out what her blood sugar is and that just awareness of what she needs, does that go away? Cause I can already feel it starting to turn on. And she said, no, she said, uh, they were at a conference and this guy got up. Um, he was 54 years old. He was diagnosed when he was 12. And he said, I talked with my mother the other day and she asked if I had glucose tablets. Like it's just a part of being a type one diabetic parent is it's always on. Right. Uh, and it doesn't go away. So yeah, it, this, this is my growing up story now. Right. It's taking two very key parts of, of your life. That is, you know, having offspring and eating and, and like balling them up in a way that you have to think about it all the time. Yeah. It, not only is your heart walking around outside your body, your pancreas is walking around <laughs> outside your body. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That it is, that would be life-changing for sure. That's adulting at a whole expert level. Uh, yeah. And I, I, I didn't expect it, didn't ask for it, obviously. No. Um, but I, I read through other people's, and, and it's not specific just to type 1 diabetes. There are... Like you mentioned, celiac, there are any number of things that can hit a family. Um, uh, sometimes they're birth defects. Uh, sometimes they are mental disorders. I have uh, I have a brother who was born uh, with Asperger's or mm-hmm. he had Asperger's. I don't know if he was born with it. They don't really understand it 100%. But like these things shape your family. They shape who you are. Um, as it shaped me as a sibling and now it's shaping me as a father. Um, it, it, it changes things. And not... Everyone can recognize it. I remember in the episode you talked with Jay about what would our parents have done if they had social media. Um, and you mentioned using social media as kind of this uh, counseling group group session. Um, and that they would maybe go to the bar or your parents went to Bible study. But um, yeah, there isn't a community really close to us. So we have a Facebook group that we are a part of and we kind of go through and we make jokes and we commiserate and yeah, it's just interesting. Uh, it, it, it taps you into a different group of people and I need social media now to be able mm-hmm. to get through some of that. Right. For sure. Um, can we pause and I want to talk about our sponsor. Uh, I would like to thank campaign monitor for sponsoring, I guess we're grownups now and goodstuff.fm. We talk a lot about Campaign Monitor on goodstuff.fm. We prefer them instead of other email companies because the quality of their product and the amazing people that work on it. Not only has Campaign Monitor enabled us to create newsletters that are beautiful, but working with them is fun and hearing about new features is exciting. If you need to set up a newsletter for yourself or a client, Campaign Monitor is the way to go. Their user interface is easy to navigate and you can get your clients the tools they need to create and send newsletters that get them more involved with their customers. Go to campaignmonitor.com and get started today. Thanks to Campaign Monitor for supporting good stuff and I guess we're grown-ups now. So I totally put you on mute while you were doing that and I was eating my, well I put myself on mute, I was eating a pear. Because <laughs> I figure it's fitting for this episode, I, sh- I should be eating. Yes, I should be eating too, I have nothing. I have a tube of uh, lip balm in front of me. <laughs> Please don't eat that. Okay. <laughs> it's tempting. It smells like melon. Mm. Okay. It won't taste like melon. No, probably not. It'll gum me up inside. Not good. Um, okay. 
So are there foods that you liked as a kid that you do not like now? You know, we talked about this a little bit as well, my wife and I. We went through the questions. I, I, yeah, I yeah. really like the format of the show, and I, I love the ideas behind it. So I, I've been excited in talking about it. But um, there's not a ton for me. Uh, bologna. I cannot do bologna to save my life now. Like if I had, here's a package of bologna, and here's two pieces of bread, and this is what you have to live off of. I just eat the bread. Right. Uh, but as a kid, I would eat. I would eat it. I had no problem with it. So. Um, but other than that, not really. I pickles. Oh. Uh, I I used to at least bear. They were bearable. Right. Uh, and now every every once in a while I'll be like, hmm, pickle sounds good, and I'll take a bite. I'm like, no, that's terrible. Why, why would I ever eat this? These are terrible things. Uh, oh, bananas. Yeah. Uh, I would consume bananas from as a toddler, and I would consume them like uh, like a factory. I would just grip my teeth apparently and squish them in between my teeth and just swallow <laughs> that is scientifically proven to be the best way to eat a banana it was fast and efficient and i guess instant potassium but <laughs> um and i've noticed my kids have gone through the same sort of thing they all go through phases where they enjoy bananas but yeah. then they hit probably about two or three yeah the bananas don't do anything for them all right but yeah no not really other than those random foods yeah uh, i pretty much eat everything I think I've cut, I'm sick of pure sugar candy, like. Like rock candy and candy floss or yeah, cotton yeah, candy? Like, yeah, cotton candy I, I can't do anymore. Oh, yeah, no, you're a grown up. That is yeah. that is a sad, sad day when you I can't do well cotton candy. I just write my will and be done with it, eh? Yeah. And that's sad. But, uh, but um, yeah, there's not much I don't like, period. Never mind stuff I did like as a kid. <laughs> what what have you grown into what foods do you know for sure that you did that you did not like as a kid that you love now besides avocados that we talked about oh avocados that was great i want to, i want that as my ringtone um yeah avocados and uh mangoes again are, are the big ones but um I, I wouldn't have tried i wouldn't have tried half the stuff i would have just gone wholly on smell and appearance and name unfamiliarity yeah like sushi was that one i didn't even get into until probably late 20s it was uh i had a boss who i really respected and i grew to um really uh, respect his opinion on a lot of things and he said no i promise you'll like sushi you just have to go to the right place right and i let him talk me into it and it changed it changed my life after I, that right like it was amazing. I totally uh, had the same boss and the same experience with, with sushi. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Everyone out there who's like, no, I've tried sushi. It wasn't good. You you haven't tried sushi. No. You, you just haven't. And I know that sounds totally douchey, and it does. Um, it's very condescending. <laughs> no, but you find someone who really loves sushi. Yeah. Find someone that you respect their opinion of movies. Yeah. Something totally unrelated for some reason. I don't know why. But someone that you're like, okay, I can trust this person. They're not crazy. Or they're probably pretentious. You might not even like love and respect their opinion on everything. But if they're like a pretentious kind of person, they probably have immaculate taste in sushi. And they're the people who should be taking you out for sushi. Do not just go to the closest sushi place. Do not go to necessarily even the best Yelp related place. No, that's right. You, you've got to find someone you know. Uh, yeah, and it and might don't... not be a very fancy looking restaurant either. No, 
No. And and try uni. Uh, no, sorry. Don't try uni. Scratch that. That's important. Uni is disgusting, and it looks like baby poop. So <laughs> people who try uni or eat uni, it's just to, like, impress, I don't know, other people who like sushi. But it's not good. So you don't have to eat uni. Is that the it, sea clam? No, it's one? the sea urchin. Urchin, and it, right. right. It, it's orange, and no, it's not yeah, good. It does. It looks like brain or something, right? Sort of. No, it poop. looks like baby poo. It looks like not not normal poop, but like infant baby, yeah. baby poop. <laughs> that's a whole other show. Yeah, no, that totally could be all. I don't know. It's related. It's food. It's all the circle of life. It used to be food. <laughs> Are there any foods you don't eat for religious or ethical reasons? Uh, yes. Um, so I am LDS Mormon. Yeah. Uh, and I do not, uh, we don't, uh, drink alcohol. And I know when we're talking about that, it's probably wasted on me, the food topic. A lot of people, when it comes to growing up, that is, you know, it, it's, it's a, a marking of, uh, passing that, that threshold of yep. adulthood is drinking. And I've never, never consumed alcohol in any <laughs> that's not entirely true. That's a different story. Um, but yeah, we don't drink, we don't smoke, um, we don't drink coffee uh, or tea. We do drink herbal tea and we do drink caffeine or we can. Not everyone does, but it's not necessarily uh, against the standards of the religion to drink caffeine. So I drink Coke. Um, so it's not the caffeine, it's the coffee tea. That's... It's, it's it's the coffee tea. So. There, there is an aspect of it uh, that it is, it is health related, mm -hmm. um, but uh, for us, it's a, it's a matter of faith. Yeah. Uh, and so, the wording actually says to that we should not consume uh, tea or coffee, and so that's what we don't eat. Now, there are people who will read further into it and say, you know what, I'm going to cut caffeine, and they probably are better off for it. And when I go through my health spurts <laughs> the, the periods of sanity health-wise i don't i don't drink uh any soda so uh yeah but yeah. I'm, i still consume chocolate even though it has caffeine because it's amazing <laughs> it um, <is>. but but <laughs> yeah so there are some religious things um and th there are even aspects of it um it's called the word of wisdom uh the our health code or our health standards uh, and there are aspects of it that actually encourage us to eat more fruits and vegetables and to um, eat meat sparingly. So I'm, I, I need to be better at it yeah. uh, because I, I am a carnivore all the time. <laughs> yeah, there is this amazing quote on Twitter uh, by Anil Dash um, a few weeks ago. Um, he said, I feel fortunate to be living in the window after automated agriculture made meat affordable but before its impact is 100% ethically inexcusable. <laughs> like, before we're yes. aware of the impact of our actions. That, that was the window of um, uh, processed foods, right? That we are just coming out of. We're like, oh, wait a second. <laughs> this is not good. Oh, dang it. And we wonder why my parents have problems with... Well, right. <laughs> it's like, oh, cancer and diabetes and processed foods. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Now we have documentaries, so we'll be okay. Yeah. Did you see Food Inc.? No. <laughs> really good, although um, 
kind of I don't know I, I had mixed feel, feelings about uh, what it said and and what I what I could possibly take away from it my problem with um, making too many it gets very controlly very fast and yes I have I have an issue with um, doing that for a non-emergency medical reason like if you've got diabetes or or an allergy that's one thing or celiac and and this is probably a, a serious like privilege first world problem but exercising too much control or trying to exercise so much control where you're trying to be a perfect eater yeah i i can't live like that yeah and 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 it's easy to go down that rabbit hole, right? Like as soon as you start going on the internet and you're like, hmm, I wonder what's bad about high fructose corn syrup. Yeah, what should like, I eat today? Oh man, yeah. that that you'll get to the point where you're like, okay, so paleo diet says I should only eat meat and cheese pretty much. Maybe not even cheese. Let's stick with meat and vegetables. Uh, some of them say that I can have dairy, some don't. Um, I'm not allowed to eat grain because obviously that is terrible for us. I can't have any high fructose corn syrup. Uh, I got to make sure I eat organically, like and and even with the meat, you got to be like, oh, I've got to eat uh, grass fed, not corn fed, because corn fed's terrible and it's bad for the environment, it's bad for us. Right. Like, you you will you will hyperventilate and you'll get to the point where you are your whole life sur- is surrounded by your paranoia of food, um, and that's that's not no way to live. And that's one of the the relieving things that we found with the type one diabetes when the educator was like, no, your child needs to eat whatever. A normal child should eat. Uh, they need carbs for growing, and that's part of of, of their growth process. And so, um, I have no problem with my kid my kid having can, uh, cotton candy when we right. went to the fair, right? Like that, I needed my kid to have a part of that. That's I probably didn't need it, but no, no, it felt like that. I mean. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So I, I'm I'm with you. Whenever it feels like Happy Feet, right? Like when you get into some of these diets. It's like going and seeing the movie. It started out like, oh, it's Dancing Penguins. That's great. I love Dancing Penguins. And then you're like, oh, wait, no, this is a movie about climate change and about how we're terrible people, which is probably true, but that's not why I went to go see Happy Feet. Right. And it's not why I want to eat food so that I can be a better person. Uh, we should. There, yeah. there's, we should. We should. But like, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be the main focus of our entire lives. Right. Yeah. And it can be. I I know people who are addicted to exercising and it's good for them, but it's bad for them mentally and emotionally. Like it's bad for them. Like there are, there are, there are things that are on the surface seem good for us, but when they, when they uh, become consuming, they can become very bad for us. Yeah, completely. Um, Okay. Are there other food things you would like to talk about? I, I have no authority on this stuff. <laughs> I know. Oh, yes. We are not doctors. Let, let me dispense, doctors let me dispense my knowledge of food. We're not psychiatrists no. either. Uh, no, I, I like food. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I have some. I'd like some more. I keep it in a jar. <laughs> no, I, I, I really... I, yeah, I, I, I like analyzing what I'm doing and I like figuring out how I can change and how I can improve and food has a part of that, but I still, I'm going to make brown butter chocolate chip cookies once right. a month or so. Right. Um, there was somebody who, who I was talking to that they, they said it's good to limit certain foods that you only eat once a month. And one of them for them was pizza. And that's a great idea. 
uh, pizza is a terrible thing for us to eat, especially now that I'm dealing with a type 1 diabetic. Like pizza before, we would order once a week. It, going back to the craft dinner, craft yeah. dinner is like one of the worst things for carb-wise. Like I want my kid to eat carbs, but I want them to eat fruit, right? And I want them to eat um, healthier-ish carbs than car than just like pizza right. brown <laughs> rice or wild rice or, or yeah. yeah 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 um what's your go-to comfort food oh it's so this is okay back it's, it's another part of being a grown-up right there's something that you realize that when you have kids that as soon as you put kids to bed ice cream tastes amazing right so our comfort food is ben and jerry's ice cream and it's terrible for us and we we actually don't eat a lot of it we just eat it regularly so we eat probably it takes us about four days of eating like four servings to go through one um but we do we wait till the kids are in bed and we have the expensive nice ice cream that the kids aren't ever allowed to touch they are there in the store when we buy it and they say hey what's that and i say oh that's ice cream for mom uh, I don't even say it's for me when it's totally more for me than it is for her. Uh, so I throw her under the bus. Um, That's expert dadding. Yeah, but there's your there's your parenting pro tip is go get ice cream after they're in bed. It's not, it's not a pro tip. It's a natural occurrence. It's what happens. You're like, no, you oh, do not yeah. need ice cream. It's bad for you. Go to bed. I right. need some ice cream. Yeah, totally. Oh, and for me, that's wine. Like yeah. after the kids are in bed. I don't even want it before. It, but it's my treat after it's like yay made it through the day i just yeah. i just want happy right now and it's not it's not the alcohol that's happy it's the taste and the um uh my words are failing me like the the routine of it the it's the treat of it the Come ceremony on. exactly it's the treat uh, uh, back to the the sheena episode you mentioned about like eating without kids Right. Uh, there was one point about like being yep. able to sit and without the kids. And th- there, there is something about if I ate this while my kids were awake, they'd want some. Mm. And I, it's not that I'm selfish and I don't want to share with them. It's just, I don't like just, it. it's a chore when you have to feed them. Yep. Like, Oh, here, let me get you some, let me get you a bowl. Let me make sure that you don't like smear it on your sister's face. Like, right. Don't, no, let but, me peel this for you. Don't knock uh, that over. You're dripping on your shirt. Yeah. Yeah. And after they're in bed, if I drip on my shirt, who cares? I'm going to bed. So, yeah, it's it's great. Um, eat terrible things after your kids are in bed. I sometimes go through these um, phases where I eat a lot after bedtime, like after eight or so. Um I'll eat a lot. It's not a good habit. I don't think <laughs> it's a terrible it habit. It is a terrible habit. But on the best days, I'm eating really healthy. Like I'll make myself like garden vegetables or like something like really tasty. Maybe it's not always the best healthy wise food, but but I'm not just eating junk food. I'll eat like I'll make myself a tapenade or like a poached egg or like something sort of fancy. Because yeah. that's when I have time to think and make the kind of food that I want to instead of dealing with everybody else's needs and wants during the day. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like, okay, let's go to bed so I can make a meal that I actually want to eat. Yeah. My um, favorite but... that I did for a while was um, dates. 
with uh, goat cheese and walnuts and uh, black olives and and uh, balsamic vinegar drizzled over it. And it was you roast that in the oven for 15 minutes. It was amazing, but like completely extravagant for like a evening snack. It would take f- half an hour to make. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and those things taste great, but you can't do that with kids around or they're not no. going to enjoy it. Like they yeah, yeah, it's just it's not worth the effort. We had shrimp scampi the other night and my kids even like shrimp and they did not like it at all. I'm like, "Great, I'll eat it all <laughs> myself." No problem. All right, so I want to go back to my story. Can I go can yeah, I go yeah. back to the alcohol yes, store? Yes, yeah. Okay, so I'm I'm in Mexico and we're at a member's house, uh, a member of the church, um, and I, I have a companion, and he's also Mexican. Um, he doesn't speak a lick of English. Uh, he was from a different part of Mexico, so he's in a foreign place to him, too. Um, but we were, we're over at this member's house, and uh, she gives us this drink, and I said, what, what is this? Because I, I didn't recognize it, and she says, it's, it's pineapple, it's piña. So I go to drink it, and I'm like, "There is something wrong with this drink." <laughs> I said, "I said, uh, hermana, our sister." I said, "What? What is in this drink?" And she goes, it, "It's nothing. It's just pineapple juice." <sighs> and I said, "Well, what do you? What did you do to it?" And she goes, "Well, we leave it out, <laughs> <laughs> and they, it's fermented. It's called uh, tepache." Um, and there's there's a couple of drinks that they do this, and it's probably a, a minuscule amount of of alcohol, if there's any at all. Like it's probably a very small amount. But to me, who has never had alcohol, like it it was burning my throat. Like it just did not feel right. My stomach did not was not okay with it. Um, there's another one called um, tapache. No, tapache is the one. There's um, uh, tequino. There's another one that's actually made of the agave plant um, before it becomes tequila. <laughs> Uh, hopefully before it becomes tequila but yeah so it's just a part of their culture um and i'm like uh i'm not okay with having this it probably again it probably wasn't even alcohol and not not a noticeable amount well it's hard to say it's sort of the point is it's completely unregulated and homemade right 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 she made it from home and i'm not and she probably got accustomed to it It wasn't like she was probably drinking buckets of it and getting drunk off of it um but but uh there was some amount of it enough to trigger something on me. It was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I've had pineapple before. This is not pineapple. This is not pineapple. I thought for a second, like maybe, maybe I'm now allergic to pineapple. How sad would this be? I have, I have, I have a food allergy. No, it, it was, it was slightly fermented. Awesome. Adventures in Mexico. Oh, there's there's one. <laughs> you went where to Mexico we... and got drunk. Wow, that's a real yeah. novel story. Garth. Didn't even get drunk. No, no <laughs> until you throw the missionary part in there. Um, uh, th- there was another time where we were told not to eat street vendor food, so of course we ate a lot of street mm. vendor food. Uh, uh, so, uh, ceviche we weren't allowed to eat, which I obviously ate ceviche, um, which is seafood that's not cooked, except right. they cook it with lemon. It they looks say. cooked, but it's not cooked. Yeah. <laughs> they just squirt lemon on it, and hopefully that kills enough bacteria to consider it cooked. It does um, not. Don't Google that either. There are horrible stories about people getting terribly, permanently sick from ceviche. Anyway. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, but it's so good. And then um, uh, some of the sausage as well uh, that is, that is uh, native to, to Mexico was amazing uh, and I would eat it every time and it would be the thing that would make me sick every time. <laughs> oh, so good. so good. Totally worth it. 
Um, and then obviously the spicy stuff that we were told not to get into competitive stuff with eating spicy foods because there were previous missionaries who they would just blast themselves <laughs> with with the spicy food. And of course, I did it. There there are some amazing chilies that have great flavor and really really powerful spice to them. And uh, uh, yeah, it was amazing. I totally recommend doing these things. Go to Mexico. Don't drink the water because they're right. You shouldn't drink the water. <laughs> But you should you should eat all this stuff. It was so good. That's awesome. Do you watch Anthony Bourdain? N- no. Is he one of the ones who eats anything? He'll eat anything. And he goes yeah. to these amazing places. And he'll eat street food. But he'll also go to the best restaurant in the city, too. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's amazing. I, I just watch that show and, like, get hungry. I just, my mouth waters. And, it's, yeah. I, I love those shows. But then I watch them. And I realize afterwards, I'm like, what did I get out of that? I'm like... <laughs> I'm not really I, I, I didn't taste it I, it looks amazing and I can like pretend like oh yeah I know what that experience feels like no I don't it, it's it's a useless thing it's like explaining how things look on podcasts at some point it you might as well just get a video for me I need to go to these places and try them so I guess I guess that's what it serves is something to make me interested in other places foods but yeah, I feel yeah. I feel hollow after watching yeah. the show. It's a bit like what I was talking about with Jay, where you kind of get to a point where you're like, maybe I'll never go to Tokyo. So yeah. I'll watch Anthony Bourdain go to Tokyo and eat the best food there. And yeah. then we'll just have to do. <laughs> That's depressing. I'll get to Tokyo. The, the problem is, is that I won't be able to take my wife. <laughs> That'll be terrible because I, I travel for work for and work. I speak at conferences. And part of it is I love... I love experiencing the new stuff and the new food and the new culture of these cities and these countries, but I, I've got to figure out how to get my wife there because it, yeah. it, again, it feels a little empty without her. Yeah, not a little. It feels really empty without Aww. her. She's, she's still sitting amazing. right there, right? She's not. Oh. <laughs> Have you noticed how quiet it is? She's not here. Uh, but but she she is amazing. She makes she's okay. So if you. If you're married, I take or your oh, yeah. if you, you yes. Generally, if you so. go to conferences, take your significant other with you, because they can be your hype man or woman. Uh, they can introduce you to people that you've wanted to meet and talk to, but you didn't have an excuse. Uh, and it's not bragging because they're not talking about themselves. It is awesome. Huh? You've done I, this, I gather. Oh, it was. This was back when we had very small children that we could take with us, oh, yeah. like a single infant. In fact, uh, I'm going to Max. I'm speaking at Max next week, and I'm freaking out about my sessions. But um, we've been going for years. And in the early days, my wife would go with me, and she she just brought a baby into the conference center. Someone looked like they wanted to stop her, but they didn't really know what to do. And so they just <laughs> she's confident, so she just keeps walking. Um, so yeah, we, we, we go to conferences, uh, when, whenever we can for her birthday, she wanted to come to one of the conferences I spoke at. That was her birthday present. Nice. So she, she likes it. She's a, she's a nerd, awesome. uh, and it works out well. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you about Inktober because I've been watching you post oh. things on Twitter and stuff like that. What is Inktober and what are you doing for it? Okay. So, um, this is not I am not related. It's not food related, I guess. I guess if you wanted to draw food, um, it, it's it's something that Jake Parker started, who is a an amazing artist, um, and and he's not just a a good artist. He's a he's a he's a great 
cultural artist, I guess, because he likes to draw stuff from his culture um, that he grew up with. So you'll get like really cool versions of superheroes, but that you'll also get like um, Saturday morning cartoon characters and all this stuff. Like he just likes to to mess around with things on top of his own character work that he does. Um, but he started this thing called Inktober where he posts uh, something inked every day. And I am not the same level or style of artist. I've mostly been focusing on typography so far. Um, but I'm trying to post something inked every day uh, because it's something I've been wanting to do for a long time. And uh, and it's just like, was it right November? There's something in November yeah, that's for writing. blog post month or something, yeah. Like novel November as yeah. well. Like there's there's these things, and, and I love the idea behind them. If there are things that you want to accomplish, so I've been sucking in as many people as I can into this, like bullying people <laughs> into doing Inktober. Um, Mark Ron Rondina, he didn't really want to do it, or he said he didn't have time, and I'm like, that's the stupidest excuse ever. Uh, there's some people who said, well, I don't really draw well. I'm like, that's because you don't practice. If you don't draw, you're not going to get any better. Yeah. So. I bully people into doing it because I think it's good for us. And then um, Rachel Neighbors, who is also an amazing artist, she's like, well, I'm going to be flying. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. You can't draw on a plane. No, no. way, you can't. You've got to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so I bullied her into doing the first one as well. Uh, I, I just think it's good for us. Um, Daily like practice ask, thing is amazing for... Yeah, yeah. For, for anything. But drawing is, is something that part of growing up it's almost like we're not supposed to draw. Mm-hmm. Um, if you asked a little kid, hey, could you draw a picture? And they said, no, I don't. I, I'm not a very good artist or I don't really like drawing. You're like, there's something wrong with that kid. They've been squashed. Their creativity's been squashed, right? But if you ask an adult the same exact question, we're okay with the response, I don't really like drawing or I'm not very good. And we're like, okay, I guess, I guess you're right. You shouldn't draw. Right. That, it shouldn't be okay. Right. We shouldn't be able to get out of it uh, that easily. We, we, we should do these things because it's good for us. I, I'm a firm believer that drawing is good for us. It's therapeutic. It's good to get in that creative mindset. Right. There's few activities that get you there uh, the same way that drawing does. So, sorry, that's my rant. That's very inspirational. No, that's true. <laughs> I like drawing and I'm not that great at it. But but any skill I have is because I've done it, you know, and I've taken lessons and practiced and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah. I'm a big believer it, in it too. And you don't you don't have to publish um if you want to do inktober this is to the listening audience Mm but um but you should because there's something about the public contract right that when you start something like inktober and you're like you know i commit to this you now have someone that you're accountable to um hopefully you have some friend on on twitter or instagram who would notice you doing it or not doing it so yeah i think it's good for us to write those public contracts and then have the public keep us accountable for these things. I totally agree. I did a photography, a a picture a day for a year in 2013. And it was, yeah, it was good on many, many levels, not just about taking pictures. So, yeah. Did did it improve your skill and technique as, as a photographer, do you feel? Oh yes. Yes, it did a lot. Um, But it also taught me a lot about myself and about photography as an art uh, over and above the technique of it. Um, Okay more like the philosophy of photography okay and yeah. I'll, yeah it's just it's good on many meta levels to put something like that yeah the contract and 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 the publishing of it yeah yeah it's just healthy but what is it called a ulysses contract tying yourself to the mast that <laughs> exactly. sort of thing or 
great. That's what you need. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do you think is the best thing about being a grown-up, Garth? <laughs> I I I have access to money. <laughs> like, that's <laughs> the best part. Like grown-up, for for a while, grown-up is like being a kid with money. Um, not that I have like this overabundance of money because I don't. Uh, I'm 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 a single income with five kids, right? So, yeah, right. Uh, but I know how to save up money, and I know where the money's coming in, and I know how to control the money flow a little bit. So if there's something I really want, I can figure out how to do it and I can get it. And that, I wish I had understood that as a kid, but apparently that was part of growing up for me. So yeah, that, that, that's the best part. I really like having kids and I really like being married, mm-hmm. uh, but that didn't feel like growing up to me. Like hmm. that, I don't know. I, I like kids. I've always liked kids, even when I was a kid. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. kids. So yeah, that, that's just normal to right. be hanging out with kids, um, just in a non-socially weird way, like totally <laughs> normal now. Um, and my wife, she's just the sort of person that I would want to hang out with. So that didn't feel like growing up. It felt like playing house, right? But, right, yeah. Uh, but then when I have to pay bills, that's the lame part about growing up. But But being able to actually, the flip side of that, being able to, hey, I want to buy an action figure because right. I can. Yeah. Yeah. And what do you think is the worst part about being an adult? Uh, summer vacation uh, doesn't exist. I guess if you're teaching, um, it does. But right. for for most part, no one told me that. Hmm. Uh, even when I started going to college, I needed to earn money, so summer vacation didn't exist in the same way uh, as it did. But my, you know, your senior year or your final year mm-hmm. of of high school. Um, like that summer vacation is amazing. Like you can do nothing or you can do like the bare minimum and you still have all of this time. I, yeah, yeah. I, I miss that. Yeah. Someday, I'm getting excited because at Adobe, if you work there for five years, you get a month sabbatical. That's the closest <gasps> I'll probably get to a summer vacation for a uh, long time. Yeah, cool. I have no idea what I'm going to do with it. I'm totally going to waste it. I know it's going to be terrible, but yeah, hopefully I don't squander it. I'll do something epic. <laughs> uh, is there anything uh, you would like to promote? Anything you're working on besides Inktober or any talks you're doing soon? Yeah, um, they're just too soon is the problem. Um, yeah. I'm speaking at Max next week, um, and I've got three sessions. One of them uh, I just inherited from somebody else, and they did not have slides, and I got it last week. So, wow. What is Max? Yeah. Uh, sorry, Max is Adobe's big conference. So it's um, in Los Angeles, uh, and it's been in Los Angeles for a number of years. But before, it used to roam around. Uh, but it's once a year, and they... Uh, all the keynotes and all that stuff will be streamed. So if you're listening, you can go watch that stuff. And there's big announcements and it's fun. Cool. Um, but the sessions, you have to be there. And it's massive. And it's that's a little bit on the pricey side for a conference. I'm going to be totally honest. Um, but it's it's been a lot of fun uh, the last few years. It's actually where I started my podcast and started a lot of my stuff. And I, I attended Max way before I got hired at Adobe. But So I'm speaking at Max and then... I'm speaking at Converge RVA, which is in Richmond, Virginia, uh, which is going to be a blast. But I'm only going to be there for a day because I've got to fly back to San Francisco um, to go to Facebook because my I have an open source project called Design Open, mm-hmm. it's designopen.org, and it's about designers working in the open. And it was picked up by Facebook Open Academy 
which is a program used to help students, college students, get into open source development and design. So I got a bunch of interns, is what I'm calling them, uh, to come work on my project. So I've got to go fly out there to tell them about the project. Uh, and then I'm coming home for a week and then going back out to all things open in Raleigh, North Carolina. So, yeah, I'm going to wow. be tired. Um, but, yeah, usually I don't speak that often. I, I speak at probably about five conferences a year at most. Yeah. And so uh, for some reason this year, they just all seem to be in a two-week period. Nice. Uh, but yeah, um, so promoting wise though, design open, we we really are looking for contributors and people who want to help out. Um, and then this other thing I'd love to promote, it's it's called Night Scout. It is the coolest idea. There is a type one diabetic problem of parents not knowing what their kid's blood sugar is. Um, and so there is the sensor called the Dexcom and someone has not hacked it, but they have augmented it um, to be able to get information from it onto a smartphone to deliver the information to the cloud so that parents can get access from it anywhere. And it's not FDA approved. And so the way they got around that is they just open sourced it. So there's a bunch of soccer moms setting up um, MongoDB instances and um, using Git uh, to get the latest source code. And it's, it's awesome to be wow. a part of this community. Uh, but it's all written in Node, um, other than the Android uploader piece. Um, and then there's a Pebble uh, watch app. And they're working on an iPhone a native app, but there's a web app. And there's some really fun stuff happening in the community. And again, it's this weird intersection where you have these, these people who know nothing about any of the open source world totally loving and appreciating and taking advantage of it um, so Night Scout is this wow. org and this group of people who are doing amazing stuff that really actually saves lives and helps people. So, yeah. I awesome. Have we will add links to all of these very awesome things in the show notes, which again is at goodstuff.fm slash grownups slash four. And you can find links to all these things there. This is so awesome. Thank you, Garth, for being here and being part of this and for the great conversation. It's been very fun. I appreciate it, Carrie. This is a great show, and I I cannot endorse it more. Oh, uh, thanks. The topic is great, and the way that you're presenting it is fantastic. So I'm looking forward to listening probably to other people's episodes more than my own, but <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to future episodes. So good job. Awesome. Thank you. Garth, what's your uh, Twitter handle so people can find you? Oh, right. Uh, Garth DB. D is in David, B is in boy, on everything. So Everything. And everything. Nice. All right. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Carrie. Bye. And that's the show. Thanks for joining us. Thanks again to my guest, Garth Braithwaite. You can get in touch with us anytime on Twitter at grownups underscore FM. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon.